Good evening. It is good to see each of you. If you're our guest, again, we welcome you. If you would be, open your Bibles to Acts the 27th chapter. Acts the 27th chapter, a little bit of change from what's in the bulletin uh, for the lesson tonight, but we're continuing our study in Acts. Acts the 27th chapter in the Bible that's in your pew, it'll be about 996 or 97 And we'll be studying primarily out of that text tonight. Hope you'll open up your scriptures and let's study along together. It is wonderful to have our young people back from the trip to Marlington, West Virginia, and to hear such a grand report of the Vacation Bible School that took place there. This is the second year that this trip was taken to that particular location, and they met up with a woman who was baptized last month as a result of her child attending vacation Bible school last summer. And they had been visiting and studying, and then she was immersed into Christ last month. And a lot of good, is obvious, is being done in that work. Uh, Several one-on-one Bible studies were conducted even this past week with the belief that probably very soon at least one other lady uh, will be baptized into Christ. And a lot of children visited out of the community that had not gone there before. And so there's still just a lot of hopes for a lot of good things to come, even in the next few weeks and months and in even years. And so let's continue to be prayerful uh, for this church, the Marlington Church of Christ there. And let's be sure and be prayerful in thanksgiving of the way God has blessed our youth with such a wonderful, wonderful uh, work to be involved in. We appreciate our youth so much and the heart that they have uh, to share the gospel with others. Also, just a reminder... Uh, For any of you that are teachers, Sunday morning, Wednesday night, in the education wing, if you have a door that is decorated, you will need to take that door down tonight. You can lay it in your classroom if you want, uh, but but the door needs to come down, or uh, there will be some men coming through this week, and they'll take your door down for you. And that might not be a safer route. It may be. I'm not judging there. I just don't know. We can't guarantee that. And so uh, what would probably be best is for you to take your door down. Unless it's time and you want to just start with a new door next week, that'll be fine too. Uh, but just know that that will be taking place, that all of the doors and frames, door frames, will be painted in the existing education wing uh, either this week or next week. When we think of horrific storms, no doubt Katrina comes to our mind. And tonight, as an important side note, we have Laura Leonard with us tonight. Laura, will you wave? Just, there you go. Everybody, you'll want to speak and visit with Laura. She and her husband, Donnie, he was the, he, he has a full-time job, but when Uh, The church began at Purlington that you and I have prayed about and and many of you have gone there and worked to help that community and to help that congregation. It was her husband that said, okay, I'll start preaching for this congregation and for a good time, a long time. He preached for the congregation and helped that congregation get off the ground. And we appreciate everything that you guys have done there. And the congregation continues uh, to be such a blessing to that community. And we're thankful uh, to be able to say that and to thank God for that. But Katrina wasn't the worst catastrophe that struck America. You see, that's documented back at the turn of the 20th century in the 1900s. It was an F-4 that came in to Galveston, and it had a 16-foot tidal wave. And the problem 
as much as anything was not just the severity of the storm, but it was for the fact that no one was prepared. 6,000 lives died in that storm. 3,600 structures were destroyed in that storm. And as a result of that, the town decided once they began to rebuild, they had to do something different. They had to prepare. And so they built a three-mile wall that was a type of retaining wall. And they built it 17 foot tall. And they literally went in and built up their city in many parts as much as two or three feet in elevation. Then they built back Galveston. A few years later, a storm just as destructive came through. But because of preparation, hardly no lives or no damage was done to property. Friends, tonight, I'd like for us to study a story about Paul in Psalms, in Acts, the 27th chapter. And what I'd like for us to do in this lesson tonight is kind of blend two themes that we have going right now. We have a study going through the book of Acts this year, but we also have this thought taking place each Sunday of thinking about one month to live. And you know, one of the things that we can rest assured of about our life is that our life, now this may sound strange, but our life will be a lot better if we recognize the fact that our life will have storms. Have you ever had something that you really, really wanted to do and then it worked out maybe in some sort of strange way, you ended up doing it, but it wasn't anything like you thought it was going to be? Think about a place maybe you wanted to visit. And if Paul were here, he could say, I know a place like that. For years I wanted to go to Rome. Oh, I was a missionary going to all of these parts, but I always wanted to take that long journey. I always wanted to go over to Rome. I wanted to see those brethren. As a matter of fact, in the first chapter of the book of Romans, he says, I wanted to bear fruit there. I wanted to encourage those people. At the end of the book of Romans, he even said, for a long time now, I've wanted to come to you, but I've been sidetracked. But he makes the promise, Lord willing, I'm going to come to you. Friends, I believe that at this point in Paul's life, you could have said, Paul, tell me something about Rome. And I believe he would have almost gotten giddy with you. I believe he would almost say, I just can't wait. You just don't know how much I want to see those people. Now, if you open your Bible in the very back, if you have maps in your Bible, you'll see at least three missionary journeys of Paul. But you know, some of your Bibles will actually have a fourth missionary journey. You know how, how Paul finally made it to Rome? He made it as a prisoner. He probably had no idea that the time that his wish would come true, he would go as a prisoner. And he probably had no idea that the journey would have such dark, black, stormy nights and days and nights and days. The story takes up a long chapter. If you have your Bible open there to Acts 27, you see that this one chapter is 44 verses long. And so we're only going to pick out a few of the high points, uh, or at least as it pertains to this lesson, a few of the high points. You'll notice that they began selling back in Acts the 27th chapter in verse 9. Now when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them. You see, this would have been probably late September. And the fast that he's speaking of there is the Day of Atonement. 
that fast is passed and during that part of the year over into the spring and, and during and at that geographical location that those particular waters that sea because of the winds that would blow through ships would stop sailing during that time period it simply was too dangerous Paul even gives the fact to them that they don't need to sail forward, but they ignore him. And they go ahead and they sail, because after all, why would they listen to Paul? He's just a prisoner. There's several hundred people on this boat. Why listen to one who is a prisoner? And so they don't listen to him at this time. And so let's begin reading at verse 13. When the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. So they already realize they're in danger. So the idea is let's stay close to this island here. But not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called Eurycliden. So when the ship was caught, now notice that. If you're in a ship, the last thing you want is to think that something has a hold of this ship and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. Let's pause there for just a moment and go back to that opening point. Paul, tell us what's happening here. He said, well, our our sailors, they really thought they could handle this. It was against any kind of, of nautical wisdom, but they thought they could handle this. They're going to bring this ship around. They're going to stay close to the water. They're not going to let anything get out of hand. And what happens? They meet a headwind that is so strong. If they continued in the way that they were set up in that ship, it probably would have tore the ship apart. So they immediately, as you can imagine, begin shifting their sails around, probably drawing them down to say, we've got to give in to her. We've got a storm coming. It's taking over. The boat is going to break. Give in. In other words, forget the course we're traveling. We simply have to survive now. Let the storm take us wherever the storm is driving. Have you had those times in your life? Those times where one day you were setting the course and everything was real clear about what you were doing and the storm comes and you realize that at this moment the only thing you can do is pull the sails down because right now there's a storm driving your life. Have you ever noticed that some people's response to that is nervous breakdowns? Some people's response to that is to blame God and to begin to hate God. Some people's response to that is anxiety and become angry at everybody around them. But have you ever noticed there's other people that they too have similar storms in their life and they pull the sail down and they seem to flow with it? What's the difference? You remember Galveston? One storm they were unprepared and they were devastated. The second storm they were prepared and they suffered much less. Friends, tonight, would it be too simple to offer a suggestion to every one of us to realize that when we read through the Bible and when we look at life, there's one thing that is certain. Every life will have their storms. And so when a storm blows into your life, the worst thing you can do is say, I never thought it would happen to me and start throwing a pity party. That's not going to get us anywhere. Here they pull the sails down and they accept the fact we have a powerful force taking place in our life right now. We're going to have to give in and drop back and see what plan B is this time. 
I also want to urge you to think about something else that maybe is almost an optimistic way to look at it. Do you realize that when that storm comes into your life and you say, well, this is going to take a year to get through, or this is going to take two years to get through, or this is going to take three years to get through, or this is going to take a week or two, do you realize what's going on during this whole time? Life. But how often do we take those periods of time and just put them on hold? And in our mind, we're always waiting for that next destination. I remember shortly after high school hearing this illustration And it made me think about life just a little bit different. And I guess I've never thought about life exactly the same since then. And it was the idea that that we're on a train. And we just can't wait to get to our destination. And we arrive at a station and we think, this is it. I've arrived. I'm going to step off into the station and and everything's going to be just like I planned. And and this old journey that's boring and it's long, it's going to be over and I'm going to have arrived and everything's going to be perfect. And we arrive at the destination, we find out it's not our stop. And in our mind's eye, we see everybody out there having fun and, and they're enjoying the station and we have to stay on this train. And we arrive to the next destination And we curse the miles and and we hate the fact of how boring it is. We want to get on with life. Get me off of this train. And finally it stops and it's not our destination again. And this continues to happen until life is almost over. And the person comes to the realization. Life was the journey. Friends, do you realize there's not a point in time that we arrive on this earth? I tell you what, when I get out of high school, I would have arrived. I, I will have gotten what I really wanted. Like then I start living, then I start enjoying things. And we get out of high school and we realize the train hasn't stopped. Well, when I get out of college, that's when things are going to be better. That's when things will arrive. That's where I'll get more serious about my relationship with God. That's when I'll really start getting priorities in order. And we realize that we haven't arrived when we get out of college. Well, when I get married, when we have our child, whenever our children leave home, whenever I retire, whenever. Do you see the stations that we place in life? And we convince ourselves, well, if I just get to that station, I'm going to step off and everything's going to be all right. And you know what we find out every time? It's life. It's life again. And friends, that's not said to make it negative. It's said to make the journey all that you can make it. As we've been asking on Sunday mornings, if you had a month to live, what would you do? Surely you would live. But now what about Paul? You're in the midst of a storm, Paul. What are you going to do? What we find Paul doing here is we see him continuing to live. Friends, I want to beg you. Our life may not be going as we planned but don't ever stop living. Don't ever stop living. Jesus Christ did not die on the cross for us so that we could crawl up in a corner and hope to die. He died on a cross for us so that we could have life and have it more abundantly, even in the storms of life. Let's see as he continues here. We're still in Acts, the 27th chapter. Notice in verse 15, the ship was caught up. They could not head into the wind. They let her drive. And so what happens? And running under the shelter of an island called Clauda, 
We secure the skiff with difficulty. So that little boat they're pulling behind, they secure it, but it's very hard. They're still running under the shelter of islands. They're thinking some way we're going to be able to preserve our life here. And when they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship, fearing lest they should run aground at Syrtis Sands, and they struck sail, so were driven. And because we were exceedingly tempest tossed. Now notice these next verses we refer to here. The next day they lightened the ship. They lightened the ship. Verse 19, on the third day, that's a long storm, isn't it? I mean, if you were in a storm for a couple of hours, many of you go out on the water regularly. What if you were in a storm where you thought you were going to die for a couple of hours? We all would come back and say, it wasn't a 15-minute storm. It was like that for two hours. We're talking about the third day where they're trying to figure out how are we going to stay alive. And notice what happens in 19. On the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. And now let's skip down deep into the story. Look in verse 38. So when they had eaten enough, because they had not been eaten for almost two weeks. And so now finally they eat again. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and threw out the wheat into the sea. Friends, what's the second lesson that we can learn from the fact that in our life we will always have storms? Isn't it interesting to think about how they probably packed that ship to begin with? Any of you that have been in the cargo business, you know exactly, you can imagine it better than than probably the rest of us. But all of us have probably packed for vacation or or packed to move our, our family maybe somewhere. Can you imagine them loading that ship? And, and maybe they have this crate that they've written across it, fragile. And, and you can imagine the guy, oh, bring this. Be careful with that. Be careful. When he set that on top, and you can imagine, load all this wheat over here. Oh, that's a lot of wheat. Oh, that's, that's going to be some good cargo there. And you can imagine, okay, put all this cargo over here. And you can imagine them carefully loading this boat. Now, how important is that cargo? Isn't it amazing how priorities tend to be shifted because of the storms in life? You know, that's not all bad, is it? You know, when our life is just rosy all the time, we tend by nature to lose proper priorities. And I know that probably none of us would say, I love storms to blow through my life, but we do know that God can make good things come out of difficult situations. And one of the things that you and I ought to be thankful for is sometimes those storms help us put things back in order in our life. Can you imagine when there's no storm going and saying, hey, let's start throwing some cargo overboard. Can you imagine being in the business of hauling wheat and saying, let's just throw some wheat overboard. Or what about this one? Hey, you know all this tackle that we use to make this boat operate? Yes. Let's take our own hands and start throwing it overboard. You know, when Tracy and I, uh, a few months ago, had the opportunity, when we were back on our our 20th anniversary wedding trip, and and we had the opportunity in San Diego to go and, and tour some old ships that were sailing ships. And I've just never been around that, ever. And one of the things that stood out in my mind as we went down into the ship was how much tack was in there. 
and how big the ropes and the cables and how huge the anchors and just all of that tack. If I had not seen this, this would not have made sense. I would think, well, how much tack do you throw overboard to lighten a boat? Oh, it probably would have been hundreds and hundreds of pounds of ropes and maybe extra anchors or or extra sails that they would have had or maybe an extra mast pole to, to replace one that might be broken out on sea. You can imagine them going into the belly of this ship and saying anything that's extra attack, get it up on top, get it overboard. We have to save our lives because that now has become a higher priority than all of these things that at the beginning of this journey seem so important. You know, when I think of that, I cannot help but think of Hebrews. If you want to be turning back to Hebrews, the 12th chapter, many of you already know the passage I'm thinking of. You know, he's just talked about Hebrews, the 11th chapter, the great hall of faith. And you got all of these great characters of faith and all of the things that they did. And so much of what they did was through storms, through very difficult times, but yet they remained faithful. And, and then he comes right out of the 11th chapter to say, okay, now this is why I've taught you that lesson. This is why I've taught you about all these great characters of faith. Verse 12, therefore, you see the word therefore, it's linking the two together. The 12th chapter, verse 1 of Hebrews, therefore... It's on page 1069 in the Bible that's in your pew. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand, the throne of God. Notice that. There comes a time in our life when we need to look at priorities. And and friends, it doesn't have to be in the midst of storms. That's why we're, we're asking on Sunday mornings that question, one month to live. Because what if we lived our life like that all the time? Surely it would be a life worth living. And so I don't have to wait to a midst of a storm to say, you know, if I was in the depths of a storm, what is it that I would say, you know, it's time I throw that overboard. That weight needs to be given away. I don't want that bad habit anymore. Or this over here that maybe it's good, it's taking up too much of my time. It's taking up too much of my attention. It's taking up too much of my heart. It may not be a sin in and of itself, but what is it that is distracting us? What is it that's pulling us away from God? Maybe it's pulling us away from our family. It's pulling us away from the things that are most important to us. What sin is it that I need to throw overboard? What is it in the midst of a storm that seems so valuable to me right now? In the midst of a storm, I'd say, you know, that's not that valuable after all. You remember that about a year ago, we announced the serious diagnosis of Mickey Bell in stage 4 cancer. He formerly before moving to Texas, preached at Lebanon Road, just down the road from us. Mickey's a great guy, great preacher. He sends out updates explaining the experimental treatments and all that he's going through. And they're sobering. Um, Sometimes they're hard to read, to think of someone going through so much. But you know, this last one he sent out, just... The other day, 
at the end, he said, a year ago, when I was first diagnosed with this cancer, I'd have my wife to drive me out and I'd watch my softball team play. He loves softball. He's a good athlete. And he said, I'd watch my softball team play and I would say, I just want to get well enough to play softball again. And he said, now a year later, I don't care anything about softball. Storms sometimes change our priorities, don't they? They help us think about life and what really is the most important. You know, and there may be some things that we love so much that it may be that in a storm we'd say, you know, I don't know why I really loved it that much. I'm not suggesting to you that God is teaching us we need to take everything out of our life that's pleasurable, that that consumes any of our time. God teaches us that He's not the author of confusion. He is a God of balance. He is a God of peace. He is a God, now get this, that created us to be social beings, to be physical beings. He created us to be spiritual, to be emotional And I'm not suggesting to you that there's anything in the Bible that teaches us we need to take any of those categories and put them to death. But God does teach us that we need to be spiritual in all of those things. So Paul's on a tough journey. And on this journey where the night seems to go day and night in darkness they figure out that there were some things at the beginning of the journey that they're just fine throwing overboard. It might even help them survive. But as we close uh, this, this afternoon, this evening, turn back, if you will, and, and let's look at one more passage here. We're in, in Acts the 27th chapter. Acts the 27th chapter, we've talked about on the third day, how they threw the tack overboard with their own hands. And now, notice in 20, Acts 27 and 20, Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, try to imagine that. Try to imagine being out in a storm where you believe every moment your life is perishing and you can't see. No sun and no stars day after day. No small tempest beat upon us. In other words, he's saying it was terrible. It was beating hard. Now here is a powerful phrase of description. All hope that we should be saved was finally given up. Experienced sailors, they're saying, we're going to stay close to this island here. We're going to be okay. And the wind drives them away from the island. Experienced sailors look up and say, we can't see land. We can't see stars. We have no idea where we are. When you're out in the water, don't you want some kind of fixed nautical point so that you can say, oh, that's where we are. I feel safer now. Can you imagine being out in a storm day in and day out, looking up, looking around, and all there is is darkness and waves beating against your ship, and there is nothing to fix your eyes on to say, I'm safe. I know where I am. I'm secure. And literally every man and woman on that boat 
gave up hope to survive unless the exception might be Paul. But the Lord comes to him. And notice this beginning at 21. But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. Now, I really don't think Paul there is acting childish and saying, I told you so, I told you so. I think he's trying to gain credit here. And so, again, why are they going to listen to a prisoner? And so he stands up to gain credit to say, remember, I was the one that told you disaster was going to come. Now, would you listen to me this time? Because, verse 22, and now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. Can you imagine at the beginning of the journey saying, hey, the only thing that's going to happen on this is we lose our ship. You know, everybody at that point probably, oh, that's terrible. Now they hear that and they're probably thinking, oh, that's great. You mean we're going to live? The only thing we're going to lose is a ship? Isn't it amazing how things change in the time of the storm? 23, for there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men. Now, if you don't underline anything in this chapter, at least underline this line. For I believe God. Isn't that beautiful three words? I believe God. That it will be just as it was told me. Friends, what do you do when the storm of life leaves you so that you feel like you have no point of reference? I look up and I don't see any point of reference. I look around and I don't see a point of reference. I want to urge you to do exactly what Paul did. Paul said, I believe God no matter what the storm around me looks like. If God says that we're going to live through this, I believe God. You may want to write these down because we're only going to mention them. And I want to ask you, I I know if you're not going through a storm right now, this is easy for you to believe, but I want to ask you the next time you go through a storm, are you going to believe this? Philippians 4 and 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that is said in a paragraph that's talking about contentment. Can you believe in contentment that you can do all things through Christ? That is a promise that God makes if you'll belong to Him. James 1, 2, 3, and 4, I count it all joy when I fall into various trials. Can you cling to that promise? Lord, I know that there can be something good that can come out of this. And I know that this has the potential to grow my faith. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7, where he teaches, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all of your care upon him, for he cares for you. Do you cling to that promise? There is a God, no matter what the storm is, He cares for you, and He cares for you so much, He says, humble yourself. Now notice, it takes humility. Lord, I don't see you. It's dark right now in my life. The storm is here. Lord, how can I trust you? And He says, just be humble. Humble yourself under my mighty hand and cast your cares upon me. What about Romans, the eighth chapter? For we know, verse 28, that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Do you believe that? Do you cling to that promise that something good can come out of any situation? That's a promise of God. That's a nautical point. That's a fixed point that we can look at and say, I can cling to that. I can hold to that. I know 
that there's hope. And then finally, in, in what we will cover tonight, 1 Corinthians the 10th chapter, look at verse 13. No temptation is overtaking you except such as common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you were able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. How many times when the storm is dark and we can't see clearly up and we can't see clearly around and we say, I just can't bear this. And that's where I need to bite my tongue. That's where I need to zip my lip. And that's where I need to pray to God and say, give me the strength to say the truth. I can bear this. What I've just said is a lie because I believe your promises, God. You will not put more upon me than what I can stand. You'll give me a way of escape so that I can avoid this temptation. Friends, we're not talking about anything easy tonight. But we're talking about something every one of us will go through. Every one of us will go through storms. One of my dearest friends, when we lived in Gadsden, Alabama, I was in my 20s and he was in his late 70s. And he was an old country fellow that Always wore pants and shirts that were about 20 or 25 years old. And he drove an old car. And anytime anybody needed anything, he handed them a $50 bill or a $100 bill. He was one of the most thoughtful and generous Christians that I've known. And I remember one time him saying, I want to take you to lunch. I want to tell you about a storm. And he talked about Acts 27. And then he said, When I was a young man, married with a child, I learned about Jesus and I became a Christian. And right after I became a Christian, and he said, I didn't know anything except that I knew I loved Jesus. He said, My son was diagnosed with a rare disease. He said, Over the next few weeks, we would get a glimpse of hope that he might live. And then something else would happen. And he said, when my son died, I hated God. And he said, I told God off in every way I could tell him off. About how I could come to him as a young Christian and, and this is his answer to me coming to him. And he said, I don't know if it was a dream or if it was something that God provided. But I know after day and night, day and night, day and night of being in a storm like Acts 27, in the middle of the night one night, I could see my little boy running in my backyard. And I could see his beagle puppy chasing him. And I could see him jump up on the picnic table and the puppy nipping at his toes. And I accepted that night and my son was in good hands. He said, I stopped blaming God. And I started realizing something. Every person will have their storms in life. He said, I'm telling you this because I want you to preach. I want you to let people know about Acts 27. Because I want people to be ready. Because it's coming for everybody. Tonight.
you're looking for some kind of pretty life that has no burdens, you've got to get through this one faithfully because it's waiting on the other side. It's called heaven. And that's one of the reasons heaven is going to be so grand. But if you're wanting that life here on earth, you're kidding yourself. And you're setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up for Satan to sweep you right underneath the waves of the storm. Tonight, let's set our focus on God. And no matter what, let's not give up on God you want to be immersed into Christ or if you want to come back to him, if we can help you in any way, come as we stand and as we sing.